And if here's, here's a person on this thing, something right behind it. That's just what he's been doing. So that's how he's been doing it. Not been doing something back to back. There's always something between it. That's how it's been the past couple of weeks. Cause we, we'll see. Okay. All right. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Welcome to Crestview Baptist Church. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us today. I'm glad to have you here. Uh, I'm happy to be here myself this Sunday morning. Um, if you're a guest or a visitor with us for the first time, we'd love to have a record of your attendance. If you could just uh, fill out a visitor card in the pews in front of you, drop that in the offering plate when they come by, that would be good. It'd be good to get to know you. So um, just a few things going on this week. Don't forget our uh, Wednesday night services. Our youth and children's services are out in the building. We have our uh, regular prayer meeting up here for our adults. So don't forget that. Um, Terry wanted me to tell you Saturday morning. But he didn't tell me what time. Where is Terry? Saturday morning, we're going to pick up uh, luminaries. Um, so, uh, I'm not sure. Terry, what time Saturday morning? What time? About, what say, nine? Nine o'clock Saturday morning. If you could come here to help pick up luminaries and get all that picked up, and uh, that'd be greatly appreciated. So, if you could come out for that. Um, I don't think there are a lot of announcements going on. I do want to say that pretty soon you're going to see a definite date for Bible school in the bulletin. I've already got it, not announced it yet. Um, so here's what, I'm, here's what I'm telling you. Between now and June, if you buy an appliance, if you get something that has a big box with it, I'm wanting to collect every piece of cardboard that I can. For our um, Bible school this year, it's called Keepers of the Kingdom. It's about, um, it's a castle themed event. It's about the, uh, the armor of God. And we are going to turn our whole church into a castle. So any piece of cardboard that you get between now and June, if you'll come, if I'm not here and you set it in the preschool room, I'll get it and I'll move it to storage down in the youth building. Be greatly appreciated. More about that to come, but other than that, I don't have any other announcements right now. Oh, and there is a business meeting right after church, so you'll know that because it'll start happening right after church is over. So uh, keep that in mind. All right, guys, I'm just going to invite you at this time. Let's turn our hearts toward the Lord and let's focus on Him. Good morning. It's great to see everybody here this morning. Um, just to give you a couple of updates. The, um, Sandra had surgery um, Friday morning, had to be there at the hospital at 745. She had surgery. The surgery was a success. Um, you can tell this is not Sandra. This is the more calm of the two, Whitey, that will be leading our songs today for in her place. But uh, I talked to her this morning. She was a lot chipper today than she was Friday. Friday, she was pretty... Whitey said she was like a dish rag uh, Friday after the surgery, but she is more chipper today. She's getting around. She's hoping to be here next week, um, but uh, just continue to pray for her as she's recovering from that knee surgery. Also, um, 
Jerry Murray, just give you an update on him. He is still in the hospital in Shelby. It's been a month and one week, going on one week now um, that he's there in the hospital. They were hoping that he was done with dialysis. The surgeon told him that he should be done, that he shouldn't have to do anymore, but the kidney doctor said something else. Um, came in this morning. Um, kidney doctor said they had to wait until Tuesday to get his numbers to find out if he was done. The good news is is that his creatine levels have gone from 7 point something to 2 point something, so the kidneys are doing better. Um, so hopefully uh, we'll pray that his kidneys uh, numbers come back great on Tuesday. Everything else is going good. He got the staples out of his leg um, from, from where the, the amputation. So that is healing up nicely. And his sugar levels are doing good. His blood pressure is doing good. They're just waiting on the kidney numbers. So uh, continue to pray for him and, uh, and Lisa. Um, I know Jerry, he wants to be out of that hospital. Over a month he's been there. So just continue to pray for them as well. Um, those of you, we didn't announce it last week, um, but Azula Owens, many of you may know her. Some of you probably don't. Um, she passed away last week. Her funeral was uh, this, past, uh, this past week. She was 90 years old, and, but she has been reunited with Cliff um, at the foot of, of the throne. She is there worshiping Jesus right now. We're, we're thankful for that. Um, also, to let you know, we have uh, our prison ministry, our jail ministry. They're going to the, the county jail today. Not the annex, but the jail, right? They're going there at the courthouse. So please pray for them as they go. And as we end the service, I'm going to ask those that are going, if they would come up and we can surround them with prayer uh, as they go and minister there at the, at the jail. That uh, last time I went, there was a guy waiting for me, and he says, I've been waiting for you to get here since Thursday night. He says, I'm ready. I want to accept Christ. So uh, we're excited about that and the opportunity to minister to these people as they're there in jail. So at this time, please join me in prayer as we begin our time together. Our blessed Lord and Savior, we come before you. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come to your house to gather together with like-minded people. To gather together in the name of Jesus and worship you this morning. Dear Lord, you have heard the updates on Sandra and Jerry about the homegoing of Miss Zula. Dear Lord, there are so many things but that, that we have that are on our hearts that we lay them all at your feet. Dear Lord, we ask that you work in each and every way as only you can. Take away the pain. Fill the emptiness. Give us the strength to continue serving you day to day. Dear Lord, give us the faith to trust you. And dear Lord, with those concerns laid at your feet, we ask you now that you fill this place with your presence. That your spirit move among your people. So that we feel you this morning. We feel your presence here with us because you promised that if two or three are gathered in your name, that you will be in the midst of them. We trust in that promise, dear Lord. 
Dear Lord, speak through me today as I bring your word. Speak through Chad as he works with the children. Speak through Whitey as he leads us in worship today. That when we leave this place today, dear Lord, we know that we have been in the presence of God. And that we will be better equipped to be your disciples and take your gospel to this world. Bless this time that we have together today. May you receive all the honor and glory. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. Good morning. I'd like you to stand, please, as we turn to hymn number three, Worthy of Worship. you standing let's turn to the second hymn page number 182 what a friend we have in Jesus
Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the offering that we received. Lord, bless it to where it can be used in your glory that everybody shared with this for you, Lord. We're all trying to please you and do everything we can in, in our offerings and tithes. Amen. The children are dismissed to Children's Church. I know you people sitting up front didn't see that, but little Teddy Barcher's heading the wrong direction, and then he realized where he was going, and he spun around on his heels, woo, and took off. <laughs> Last week, I shared with you about a vision for the new year, about how we had to recommit ourselves to being obedient to Jesus Christ, including making disciples. How we need to recommit ourselves to a deeper study of, the, of His Word. And how we needed to recommit ourselves to a lifestyle of prayer. That we need to surround everything that we do, every aspect of our life in prayer. And not just telling God what we want, but be quiet and listening to what He has to say in, re in return. This week, 
I wanted to share with you Jesus, a friend of sinners. As I've been looking on social media, it has become more and more popular that people say the reason they stopped going to church is because one, it was it, the church is full of hypocrites. Two, is that church people are too judgmental. And three, they were made to feel like they weren't welcome. But it's all about the people that attend church. So I want to refocus our attention on something. Jesus, a friend of sinners. Now this term has become greatly misunderstood and definitely misinterpreted. So we're going to look at Scripture and see where this term came from and talk about what it literally means to us as a church, as disciples of Christ. So if you would turn to Mark chapter 2, and if you stand as I read this, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 17. 14 through 17. Now this is, is where Jesus called Matthew to be, come and follow Him, one of His disciples. So look at what it says here. It says, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. And he rose and followed him. And it came about that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax gatherers and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. And when the scribes and the of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and the tax gatherers, they began saying to his disciples, Why is he eating and drinking with tax gatherers and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners." What did he say? I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for what we see recorded here in the book of Mark. Thank you for your word. Dear Lord, to help us to understand what it means to Jesus being a friend of sinners. Speak through me today, and it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Like many stories, anytime Jesus did anything, you had this group, this religious elite, the ones that thought they knew better, the ones that lived their lives in such a way that they saw themselves as being superior. So what did this religious elite, why did they take issue with Jesus eating at Matthew's house? See, it says there in verse 15, and it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house. And many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for they were many of them, and they were following him. 
So reading that scripture, what it says is that quite literally what it's talking about here is that it, as he was there in Matthew's house and he was eating, there was a lot of tax collectors and his disciples. But why was he there? He was there because it says that they were following him. Many of them were following him. Many of these people that he was eating with, the tax collectors, the sinners, they were putting their faith in Jesus Christ and they were following him. But why did they take issue with this? Why did the religious elite take issue with this? Quite frankly, for one reason. Because they saw themselves as righteously superior than those they considered sinners. See, to this religious elite of this time, they saw themselves, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the high priests, all these religious people, they saw themselves as being superior to anybody else because they held themselves supposedly to a higher standard. The Pharisees were famous for wearing these things around their forehead. And inside these little boxes that they wore strapped to their forehead was different Scripture. Old Testament verses. They didn't have verses, but Old Testament writings that were rolled up in little scrolls and placed in this box. That way they could literally say, and in their mind they saw it this way, that they constantly had God's Word at the very front of their mind. Very much a mistranslation or misunderstanding of what God actually meant. You know, when God says in Psalm 1, where, where David writes that a, a righteous man takes delight in the Word of the Lord and in His law he meditates day and night. Not talking about wearing it on your forehead, but in their mind, their way of thinking, they, it was all about the show. Not what was going on inside, but about the show. So they saw themselves as being religiously superior or righteously superior to anybody they considered to be less. This include Gentiles, which was all non-Jewish. Jews that did not keep the letter of the law as they saw it to be important. And then you had those that were even less than sinners. Tax collectors. Because these tax collectors were Jewish people that were working for the Roman government. And many of them, if not all of them, were cheats. They were allowed to, by Roman law, charge whatever they wanted to charge for taxes as long as Rome got what they were declaring. So if they wanted a 10% tax, they would charge 20%. They would give the 10% to Rome. Guess what happened to the other 10%? Right in their pockets. So they were looked at as traitors. As less than sinners. So when Jesus called 
a tax collector as his disciple. That was scandalous. But Lord help the fact that he went to his house and ate with not only him, but his other tax collector friends. Oh. That'd be like a Baptist preacher going to a bar. You guys snickered. But I'm going to tell you the truth. You hear it a lot. I can't believe you're friends with that person. I can't believe you go do things with this person. Let me tell you something. Don't be a religious elite. So what was Jesus' response to their objections, to the, the, the religious elite's objections and criticism? We'll look at verses 16 and 17 here. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw that He was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to His disciples, why is He eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What an incredible response from Jesus. Very straight, very pointed. It's not the people that are well that need the doctor. It's the ones that are sick that need the doctor. It's not the ones that think they need it all together or they have it all together. The religious people, it's not them that think they're good enough without me that I come to save. It's the ones that know that they're sinners. It's the ones that know they struggle. They're the ones I came here for. Not the ones that think they have it all. Jesus literally tells them this. He came to call sinners to a life of righteousness. Real righteousness. Not just outward righteousness, but an inner righteousness. A change from the inside out. So that what's outside reflects what's inside. Because I'm going to tell you this. These religious elite, they put on a good show, but all it was was a mask. It was only skin deep. It was not their heart. It was not their soul. God, Jesus came to change us from the inside out. And He came to call sinners to a life of righteousness. But we also need to understand that contrary to modern interpretations, and beliefs as well as the, those beliefs of the, of the religious elite of Jesus' time, they thought literally, and even today, we hear people saying this all the time, Jesus was not just hanging out. 
lot of people think, and, and today I hear it a lot, oh, Jesus was a great man. He hung out and partied. Yeah! That, that's not what Jesus was doing. The religious elite thought, hey, he's, he's doing this. He's there with them and he's having a good time with them. And that's all he's doing in there. That's not what was going on. Well, also, Jesus was not partying with Matthew and his friends. He was not there just having a good time. And by being there with them, he was not condoning or was he participating in a lifestyle of sin. But you hear that today. Oh, Jesus was okay with it. He partied with those guys. No, he wasn't. Because what does it say that they were doing? What does it say when I read these scriptures? Many of them followed him. They turned their lives over to him. They became disciples. That does not happen when all you're doing is hanging out and partying or condoning how they're living a life. Every time Jesus healed somebody, the lady, the woman that they caught in adultery, now this is a whole different thing. These religious leaders, they caught this woman in adultery, which means that they were sitting there spying and watching and waiting until she got to where, because it says that they, they drug her out and threw her there and she didn't have any clothes on. So they sat there and watched and waited to catch her right at the right time so what was going through their minds, huh? They drug her out and threw her at the feet and Jesus talked to her. You remember, He bent down and drew in the sand and said, He without sin cast the first stone. They looked up and there was nobody there. And He says to the lady, where's your accusers? Where are those that condemn you? She says, they're not here. And He says, I don't condemn you either. But He didn't leave it at that. What was the next thing he said to her? Go and do what? Sin no more. Jesus does not condone a lifestyle sin no matter how you slice it. When he would heal somebody, he would say, go, sin no more. Your sins be forgiven you. Sin no more. When Jesus gets a hold of you and you meet Jesus face to face, your life changes. That means the old way of doing things are dead. Everything becomes new. And you have a new creature and the Holy Spirit begins working in you. And it begins to change you and transform you. And you become a disciple of Christ. That's what was going on in Matthew's house. These people were being transformed by the grace of God through Jesus Christ and they were becoming disciples of Christ. So what does it mean when we say Jesus is a friend of sinners? Number one, it means that Jesus sees past the superficial and sees our need for a Savior. Verse 17 again, and hearing this, Jesus said to them, I did not, it is not those who are healthy that need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. And then in a similar story, when Jesus was walking through Jericho, 
And there was this wee little man. Anybody know what the wee little man's name was? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus just wasn't a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector, which means that he was the boss of the thieves. He was a thief's thief. He heard Jesus was coming, so what did Zacchaeus do? He climbed up in a sycamore tree because the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed his way, he looked up in the tree and he said, Zacchaeus, you come down for I'm going to your house today. Now that's the song, but that's based off of Scripture. He said, I'm coming to your house. I'm coming to stay with you today. Oh, you talk about the religious elite having a heyday. And he went to his house. And on their way to his house, Zacchaeus turned over a whole new leaf, sitting there walking and talking with Jesus. He says, anybody I have done wrong, anybody I I have robbed, I'm going to give them back fourfold from what I took from them. I'm going to get, sell all my stuff and give to the poor. And Jesus says this when they heard the complaints from the religious elite again about Him associating with sinners. He says this in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And then he goes on and, and he shares this parable teaching people what he was meaning about why he was there. But Jesus sees through the superficial, the things that we get caught up on, Jesus sees past that. And He sees a soul in need of a Savior. And then Jesus sees us as lost sheep needing a shepherd. Matthew 18, verses 12 through 14. What do you think if any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? If it turns out that he finds it, truly I say to you, he rejoices over it more than over the ninety-nine which have not gone astray. So it is not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. We all need a shepherd. Every single one of us. And then Jesus loves us enough to meet us where we are. And He loves us too much to leave us there. And you think about what I just said. Jesus, friends of sinners, means that He loves us so much that He's willing to meet us where we are. But He leaves us too much. Or He loves us too much to leave us where we are. You guys love anybody that much? Where you're willing to go meet them where they are? But you love them too much to leave them there? That's how God loves us. That's how Jesus loves us. In Romans 5.8 But God demonstrates His own love toward us 
in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Guys, you understand what that's saying? If God loved us so much that He didn't expect us to get cleaned up before He loved us, then why do we expect people to clean up before we accept them? Honestly, church, we want people in our church that are just like us. when we really need to be going after the ones that need us, that need God. We can't save anybody. But when you have somebody walk in, we hear, well, they don't fit in here. They're not the right type of person you know, that we want here. I'm going to tell you something. God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And how can the attitude of the religious elite, how can it hurt our church or any church where the first thing that it causes having this attitude of superiority, how it affects us, is this, is that we forget that we are all sinners. I'm going to tell you something. I remember this from when I was going to school at the University of Florida, walking across the quad there at the, at the University of Florida, and there had, they had these preachers that would come and sit up and they would preach to everybody walking by. And I remember them getting heckled because of what they were preaching. And this one guy was preaching and he was talking about how he was no longer a sinner. That he, never, he did not sin anymore. And one of the students that was giving him a hard time, he goes, oh yeah, how long has it been since you sinned? And he said, I haven't sinned in 20 years. I sinned on the way to church this morning. There is not a person in this room that did not sin. The difference between what we consider a sinner and what we consider a saint is a sinner saved by grace. The forgiveness of Almighty God through the blood of Jesus Christ. It does not make us better than anybody else because we are just like them without the mercy of God. And we need to understand that and realize that. That we are all sinners. And when we get this religious superiority, we think that we're better than people. And we're not. We are just blessed because we are children of the King. The second thing that happens is we become legalistic. Look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. And before I read this, what does it mean legalistic? It means that we put our emphasis on what we do just like the religious elite. It wasn't about what God did in them, but it was what they were doing. And they had to do certain things to be considered right. 
But what does Paul write in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9? It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as the result of works, so that no one can boast. Let me tell you something. What that verse says is that we have no right to be proud or think that we're better than anybody else because it's nothing that we did that gives us salvation. It is all about what Christ did. It's faith in Jesus Christ. And it even tells us God did it this way so no one could brag and think they were better than anybody else. But see, when we start getting in this attitude of superiority, it's all about what we do and how we do it because it makes us feel better about ourselves. And it makes us think that we're better than other people. The third thing that it can do to hurt our church is we see it as our job to fix people instead of sharing the Gospel or living out the Gospel in front of them. We literally think that it's our job to fix people. Galatians 2.16 Nevertheless, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Christ Jesus, even we have believed in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ Jesus and not by the works of the law. Since by the works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Again, no matter what it is we do, nothing is going to be justified. And justified means made right with God. That's what it means. An easy way to remember this is it's justified never sinned. Nothing that we can do will make us right with God. Nothing. Only Jesus Christ will make us right with God. And we think sometimes that it's our job to fix people. When we try to fix people, what do we do? Hurt people. Let's face it. When we try to do it, we end up making more damage than we do fixing anything. But it's Jesus that can take the broken pieces and put it back together. He can take a shattered life and make it into something great. He alone is the only one that's able to do that. His job is to fix people. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict and change people. Our job is to tell people about what Jesus and the Holy Spirit can do. That's our job. Living it out in front of them. Sharing it with them. Where they are. Now understand this. I'm not telling you to go to the bar and hang out and drink so that you can win people to, to, to Christ. Because I guarantee you one thing. You're sitting there drinking to them. The last thing they're going to do is listen to you share the Gospel with them. I'm not telling you to go out and party. What I am telling you is you don't shun the people that do. Because they need to know the love of Christ. Regardless of where you are, you don't have to be standing behind a pulpit. 
Doesn't matter if you're a custodian. Doesn't matter if you're a teacher. Doesn't matter if you work in an office. Doesn't matter if you're a carpenter. Doesn't matter if you're a mechanic. Does not matter what you do. You come in contact with people every day that you can live that Gospel out in front of them and share Christ with them through how you live, how you talk, whatever it is that you do. And that's the third thing, that, or the last thing that, it, that can hurt the church, is it makes us forget our purpose. Why are we even here? What's the purpose of the church? What's the purpose of, our, of being a disciple? What's our purpose? When we think it's all about us and what we do and we become a religious elite, we forget our purpose. And our purpose is very clear. Matthew 28, verses 18-20. through 20. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to Me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What restrictions do you see in those verses I just read in the Great Commission? What restrictions on who we need to go after is there? Does it say, don't go after anybody, don't go share with anybody that's of a different skin color? Does it say that? Does it say, don't share with people that don't believe the same way as you do? Does it say, don't go after people that voted differently than you did? Does it say, don't go after the people that have that, uh, that, that don't believe in, in, in the biblical definition of marriage? Does it say don't go after people that aren't as smart as you are? Does it say any of that? What does it say? Go therefore and make disciples of who? All nations. John 3.16 For God so loved the world the Gospel has no restrictions on it. We forget that. You see, we like most Baptist churches, we do the very same thing. We trade members back and forth. I'm meeting with a group of pastors that that there are five churches in the Lattimore area, and you draw a, draw a three-mile radius around each one of those churches, guess what? We overlap. A lot. That's how close, is our, how close our churches are to each other. But in Cleveland County, 60% of Cleveland County residents do not attend a church anywhere. And I'm going to say that's on the low side. Because of COVID, I think it's more up toward 80% don't attend church anywhere. 
We don't have to go after each other members to get people that are just like us. We need to be going after those ones that aren't going anywhere. The ones that don't know Jesus Christ. We need to go in the highways and the byways. We need to go in the shrubs and the hedges. And we need to bring them in. And not worry. And listen, we definitely don't need to be telling each other, you're not good enough to be here. It's because of people like you that give our church a bad name. I'm begging to differ. If that's your attitude, you're the ones that are giving the church a bad name. Because there is no part of the Gospel in that. We need to realize and remember that we are sinners saved by grace. And that we need to take that Gospel to whoever will listen. And then do exactly what we're commanded to do. Teach them. It doesn't say change them. It says teach them to obey all that I have commanded you. You know, an interesting thing. When people start applying what they are learning, they start changing and growing. That's why it's so important that we renew our focus on the Word and digging into the Word. Our focus on prayer so that we can hear God's Word. And we can see where God is leading us. And we can teach others to do the same thing. And if we raise up a generation of new Christians that are founded in the Word of God and founded in prayer, God says that if I am for you, who can be against you? I shared the Scripture last week. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things in Christ who is my strength. It is literally the only Bible verse I know in Spanish. But I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. I love the, the, the word in Spanish that, that is translated strength. It's fortalece. Fortress. God is my fortress. when we ground ourselves in the Word of God and we realize that we don't have it all together and we're not better than anybody else. I'm not talking about being a church that says it doesn't matter who you are or what you do. You're welcome here. I'm going to tell you, you're welcome here. You need to come and hear the Word of God. But I'm not going to tell you that everything's okay. Because it's not. We are all messed up. We are all broken. And there are certain things that we as Christians do that is contrary to the Word of God. And instead of changing the Word of God to make us feel more comfortable, we need to allow the Holy Spirit work in us so that we match up to what God says. What I am saying though is that we... We focus on those things. And we let people come in and we go get people that need to hear God's Word. It will change our church. It will change this community and it will change this world. We don't need 
to change what we teach to be more appealing to more people. We need to stand on the Word of God and let God do the work. That's what we need to do. So I challenge you this morning, church, that you listen to what God's telling you. What is it that He is asking you to do today? Is, he getting, is, is the Holy Spirit working in you and realizing that you need to know Jesus Christ as your Savior? It doesn't matter if you've attended church your whole life. If you've never come to that place where you knelt and prayed and asked for forgiveness and accepted the gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ and asked Jesus to come and be the Lord of your life, if you've never done that, don't leave this place without doing it today. If you don't have a church home and, the, and God's telling you, hey, you need to join this fellowship. This is your invitation. We would love to have you be part of our church. If God is telling you, you've had the wrong attitude. The altars are open. Stay where you are. Pray. Ask forgiveness of that. Let God work in you to change that attitude. If you think that because of what you've done in the past, you cannot be part of this fellowship, I'm going to tell you, God forgives. And we should too. Don't let anything stop you from what God is telling you to do today. As we sing this song, this is your opportunity to respond to what God is telling you to do. Would you stand and turn in your hymnals for page 330? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. for being here. Um, we do have business meeting, but before we dismiss for our business meeting, I would like for Joe and Jackie to come down here. Come on up here, Joe. 
Joe has been the one that got us, our church, involved in the jail ministry. And, and Jackie has come on board with that. Um, I am part of that also. But uh, today, they're going to the courthouse. That is where they have the women's facility, as well as a few men that will be there. So I'm going to ask if, if, if uh, Robbie could come and, and as our deacon of the week and as he dismisses our service time, if, uh, if you would mind praying over them and, and if, if Whitey and, and Jim would mind coming down and is just laying hands on, on uh, Joe and Jackie today. Slide on over here, Joe. As we dismiss, pray over them as we dismiss our service time that, that, God would, that God would go with them and that the Spirit of the Lord would go before them and that the people they talk to would be receptive to the gospel today. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for all this message that we got. And Lord, we just ask you to be with Joe and Jackie as they go over here to the jail to minister to the ones that's incarcerated, Lord. We just ask you to be with them and guide them and just... And Lord, we just ask you to be with us and go with us this week. As, and just be with us and guide us this week. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.